Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Each week, we'll be talking with real people with real stories about things they have not said or done or have said or done in their workplace that required bravery. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Everts, and I'm the founder and president of Excellius Leadership Development. Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. I hope you'll listen to our past podcast conversations, and if you'd like to hear past episodes, go to BeBraveAtWork.com, subscribe to our podcasts, and learn some valuable lessons about bravery at work. My new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Success, is now available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and any online book retailer you prefer. Check out Drive Your Career today. Our podcast today is sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies. Based in Woburn, Massachusetts, Cabot Risk Strategies has created innovative and customized insurance strategies for individuals and families, businesses, nonprofits, commercial real estate, and public entities. Cabot's client base continues to expand both within the region and within the markets they serve. And if you are looking for customized insurance services and solutions, contact Cabot at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at cabotrisk.com. I'm really excited to continue our conversation with our special guest today. He is an executive and leadership coach whose clients include folks like Alan Mulally, the former president and CEO of Ford Motor Company, a mentor to hundreds if not thousands of executive and leadership coaches found all across the globe, a speaker and author of over 47 books, many of which I have read and loved, He is a professor of management practice at the Tuck School of Business at Dartmouth College. More importantly, though, he is also a son, a husband, a father, a grandfather, a Kentuckian, and he is a business person, a business founder, an influencer, innovator, inspirer, a thought leader, and as if he had any time left, a board of director member. I'm so pleased to continue our conversation today on Be Brave at Work with Marshall Goldsmith. I want to just go back to something you were talking about, Marshall, which is why we don't. And this is a huge area for people as they think back potentially with regret on not saying something that they should have said or not doing something they should have done. You know, can you share with us what some of the top reasons are that you've heard as to why people don't pause or take action around being brave with a colleague they care about? Let me give you just some of the highlights. One of them is what I've already talked about, the dream, and it's all going to be okay when, and I'm too busy today, but I'll get to it later. That's very normal. Another one is we have been societally programmed to prove how smart we are and to win over and over and over and over again. In our lives, we take thousands and thousands and thousands of tests. We get reinforced for proving how smart we are. It is very difficult to stop It's very difficult to do anything but prove how smart we are. And my clients have to learn, especially the higher up you are as a CEO, it's not about you winning. It's helping others win. Let me give you an example I use with my clients. They almost always fail. You want to go to dinner at restaurant X. Your husband, wife, friend, or partner wants to go to dinner at restaurant Y. We have a heated argument. You go to restaurant Y. It was not your choice. The food tastes awful. The service is terrible. Option A, you could critique the food. Point out our partner was wrong, and this mistake could have been avoided if you just listened to me, 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 me. Or option B, you could shut up, eat the stupid food, try to enjoy it, and have a nice evening. What would I do? What should I do? Almost all my clients, what would I do? Critique the food. What should I do? Shut up. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's hard. And it's something that most leaders don't learn. So you've talked about education and what we have learned or haven't learned in our development. And certainly when you think back to junior high school and high school and college, we've never learned how to be brave. So this is something that when you get placed into your first leadership job, you are expected to know how to do, or you have to terminate somebody or realign the organization, all of which takes bravery. And yet I've never learned how to be brave. It's almost like a human behavior that people just expect us to learn and develop naturally. But when you it's time to you know put your finger down and say hey i need to do this we don't know how right and by the way by definition courage requires courage it takes courage to be courageous i mean it's very easy to live by the status quo and go where you've been it's hard to challenge ourselves and others to take those steps let me give you one example in my own life probably one of the best coaching moments i ever had came from my old mentor dr paul hersey now, Dr. Hersey was a, and developed with Ken Blanchard in something called situational leadership. And I was lucky enough as a young man to kind of follow him around. And one day he got double booked and he said, can you do what I do? I said, I don't know. He said, I'll pay $1,000 a day. I was 28. I was making 15000 a year. You know what I said? Sign me up, coach. Well, I did this program. <laughs> I was very successful. And my career was moving along. And then a couple of years later, he called me in and had a conversation related to courage. He said, Marshall, you're making too much money. You're making too much money. You're running around like a chicken with your head cut off. You're very comfortable. You're successful. Your clients are happy. And you are never going to be who you could be at this pace. He was exactly right. It takes a lot of courage when you're comfortable, when things are going well, to look in that mirror and say, could I be more? Could I be more? And the people that have helped me in life, back to the concept of courage, that asked me a question, you can be more. I wouldn't even say ask me a question, gave me a challenge. You can be more. You can be more. And I talk about that in the book. That's a key to me, a key component of self-courage. Look at that mirror and say, you can, can you be more? And maybe you are comfortable. Maybe it's pretty good. Nothing to be I was doing great. I was making money. I was happy. Clients were happy. He called me and said, you can be more. And if I look at my life, the best coaching I've ever received has been that same message from many important people. You can be more. You can be more. You can be more. And so for our listeners, Marshall, kind of what does that mean? Like, when would I look in the mirror and say, I can be more? Is it during a downtime? Is it during a personal reflection period? I mean, when when do I say that to myself? Every week. So it's an ongoing, recurring. It, yeah. Can I be more? And it doesn't stop, by the way. Hopefully it doesn't stop. You know, Bob Dylan's got a great song. He who is not busy being born is busy dying. Well, I mean, I'm 72. I can be more. Well, I think we all can be more. So I love that mantra. And I think I'll adopt it and start practicing saying it to myself and look for ways that I can be more in everything that I do. Marsha, when we think about bravery in the workplace, you know, I'd love to hear potentially a couple of anecdotes or perspectives that you have on this concept. Typically for the podcast, we define bravery as saying something that needs to be said or doing something that needs to be done regardless of your intent, right? That you want to ensure you're helping somebody mm -hmm. be better or do better in respect to the relationships or experiences they're having with others. And if you accept that uh, simple definition, you know, what do you think about when you think about bravery in the workplace? 
you know, I've thought a lot about this before we talked because I did some homework and I want to share what Peter Drucker taught me. By the way, one of the great mentors in my life was Peter Drucker. I'm very blessed. He was a founder of modern management. I got to spend about 50 days with him before he died. And he taught me a lot of great lessons that I use in my coaching. Some This next lesson I've used a thousand times. The great learning from Peter Drucker is this. Our mission in life is to make a positive difference, not to prove how smart we are and not to prove how right we are. Lesson one. Very few of us get that one. Say it again. Our mission in life is to make a positive difference, not to prove how smart we are and not to prove how right we are. Very deep point. Number two, every decision in the world is made by the person who has the power to make the decision. Make peace with that. Whoever has the power to make the decision is going to make the decision. If I need to influence you to make a positive difference in the world and you have the power to make the decision, there's one word used to describe you. That word is customer. One word used to describe me, that word is salesperson. Customers never have to buy. Salespeople have to sell. Sell what you can sell and you change what you can change. You have the courage to try to sell it. You have the courage to try to change it. If you can sell it, sell it. You can change it. You try to change it. Can't sell it. Can't change it. You let it go. And if you ever deeply understand this lesson, you're going to be better at influencing people and you're going to be happier. Now, the same lesson also applies if you are the boss, if you are the decision maker. Well, okay, you've got to have the courage to do what you think is right. And sometimes that to disagree. Here's a key point, though. When we disagree with people, we don't have to prove they're wrong. We don't have to prove we're smart. And as Peter Drucker said, we don't have to prove we're right. If I'm the leader, I have the power to make the decision. What I can say is, let's say I want to do something and you're my direct report and you disagree. I'd say, you know, Mr. Direct Report, uh, you're a very smart person. I respect your opinion. And I understand you want to do X for the following reasons. As we've discussed, I want to do Y for the following reasons. The person says, I disagree. You don't have to prove they're wrong. You know what you say? I understand you disagree. And you're a very smart man. And in this case, I've still made a decision. Here's what I want to do. The other person says, well, you know, boss, I think you're wrong. You know what you can say? You know what? I might be wrong. I might be wrong. And by the way, if I'm not wrong this time, I'm sure I'm be wrong sometime. <laughs> I've thought about it. I respect you. This is a decision I'm paid to make. Here's what I want you to do. Here's when, here's how. As opposed to, I have to prove you're wrong. I have to beat you up. You just have the courage to own it. As a leader, you just own it. And you say, look, this is, I'm making a decision here. Here it is. You may not always love it. I'm doing what I think is right. Here it is. Well, I love that quote from Peter Drucker, Marshall. So thank you so much for sharing that. And, you know, it just ties so well to our mission regarding bravery at work, which is to remember that if you need to say something to somebody or do something that is difficult or doesn't feel comfortable to do, that you want to have a positive influence with that person, that you're not trying to insult them or belittle them or judge them or even have them feel bad, even if it is hard to hear, but you want to help them by having a positive impact on that existence. Exactly. Yeah, a lot of people who look back and say, gee, I wish I had said something at the meeting or uh, I wish I had said something to my boss, you know, oftentimes say they didn't because it felt awkward that that moment of doing it uh, or even following up later just always felt awkward. And not to put you on the spot, but I'm just wondering, you know, is there a way to get past that awkwardness, right? Uh, because if it feels awkward in the moment, later you're going to feel regret 
that you didn't say what you could have said or done what you didn't do. And I'm just wondering if in the moment when it does feel a little bit awkward, if there's an idea or a tip that you might have for our listeners on how to navigate through that successfully so that they say what they need to say. The answer is, is a way to avoid fear and awkwardness. My answer is, nope, there certainly is not. In the human species over the history of time, our ancestors had two choices. Option A, fit in, and option B, be rational. Which ones lived? That wasn't even close. Fit in, lived, be rational, died. We have not been reinforced as a species for centuries of telling the truth to people in power. It's not going to get easy. It's never easy. We have been societally conditioned against this for centuries. It's not easy. That's why it's called courage. If it were easy, it wouldn't take courage. It's not easy, and it's counterintuitive, and it's hard. And by the way, many of our ancestors that did this got killed. So to sit there and say, well, how are you going to do this to make it easy? You're not. You're, you're bucking against thousands of years of traditions. In the old days, we used to have kings. How about challenging the king? How'd that work out for you? And by the way, there's a great, a great uh, children's story called The Emperor's New Clothes. It's about the emperor who, you know the story, who they give him this outfit, they say, which is all fictitious. And he walks around and they say, this is so good that if people, people can't see it, it means they're lesser people. So everyone pretends he has clothes on. Finally, some kid says, this guy's got no clothes on. Nobody challenged the emperor. Nobody challenged the king. Nobody challenged the people in charge. And by the way, let me give you some good news. If you look at the history of the world, people ask me, to me, which I think is a ridiculous question, are, are leaders more bullies now than ever? Because you read all this story about leaders being bullies. That to me is an insane question. Did you ever read a history book? In the history of the world, we had kings, we had rulers, we had sweatshops. Leaders today, I find to be much more open and accepting than they've ever been in history. And here's the irony. And I wrote an article about this on Chief Ex in Chief Executive Magazine. Here's the irony. Leaders today get more negative feedback about being bullies than they did when they were bullies. Why? The standards have changed. Today, as Peter Drucker said, we manage knowledge workers. They know more about what they're doing than their boss does. Well, you know more than me and I'm your boss. I can't tell you what to do and how to do it. I have to ask, listen, and learn. And the workforce today can leave. You're managing knowledge workers and the best ones can always leave. So that old style of leadership, that bully style just doesn't work at all anymore. So our leaders, I think leaders are better than ever and often are getting worse feedback. Why? The standards have changed. The standards have changed. And that's okay. Well, I love that you, and if I could just pause for a second, Marshall, I love that you identified that this feeling we experience when we need to say something we need to say or do something that we need to do feels uncomfortable is so prevalent and existent, we've given it a name, right? We call it bravery or courage. It is that moment when there's something you need to say or do, and it, you can feel it, right? You can feel the either tension or right. stress potentially around what it is you want to say or do to the degree that we have actually given it a name. And so we call it courage. We call it bravery. We call it something that you need to do that you don't want to look back on with regret, not having said or done. I, I love it. I love what you're doing. I think it's a very, very important concept. And and by the way, can I give you a strategy to make it easy? <laughs> no. You know why? If it were easy, it would not require bravery. <laughs> well, I don't think it can go away, right? That feeling you have when something is hard to do is there for a reason. And of I don't think you can live a life without fear. It's always going to be there. It's more about managing it and continuing to move forward 
versus letting it block you or prevent you from doing what it is that you need to do. And again, look at our history. Children learn to fit in before they learn to speak. They, they learn to seek approval before they learn to speak. This is very deep stuff. We all crave approval. We want to be loved. We want to be approved of. We're afraid of rejection. We're afraid of looking stupid. We're very afraid of these things. It's not because we're stupid. It's because societally we've been conditioned. Well, it's hard to get out of that comfort zone. It is. It is. Well, Marshall, you know, I'd love to end our conversation today with some coaching advice, if I can. And I'm just wondering if you had one or two pieces of advice that you could provide our listeners, what we could call coaching advice or things that you think that they should know or think about in order to navigate themselves through their lives a little bit more effectively. I'm going to finish with my favorite coaching advice in the whole world. I want everyone listening to take a deep breath. I want you to imagine that you're 95 years old and you're on your deathbed. You're just getting ready to die. Right before you take the last breath, you're given a beautiful gift. The ability to go back in time. The ability to go back in time and and talk to the person that's listening to me right now. The ability to help that person be a better leader, even more important, the ability to help that person have a better life. What advice would the wise 95-year-old you who knows what mattered in life and what didn't, what was important and what wasn't, have for you that's listening to me right now. Well, whatever you're thinking now, have the courage to do that. Have the bravery to do that. A friend of mine interviewed old folks who were dying and said, what would you say on the personal side and the professional side? The personal side, three themes. Theme number one, be happy now. Not next week, not next month, not next year. That great Western disease, I'll be happy when I achieve something, when I make money. We never get there. When is an old person facing death? Be happy now. Number two, friends and family. I never get so busy climbing the corporate ladder that you forget the people you love. And then number three, which relates to courage, go for it. If you have a dream, go for it. You don't go for it when you're 35. You probably won't when you're 55 or 85. And it doesn't have to be a big one. Go to New Zealand, speak Spanish, play guitar. Other people think your dream is stupid. Who cares? Not their dream, it's yours. Business advice is not much different. Number one, life is short. Have fun. Number two, do whatever you can do to help people. And the main reason to help people has nothing to do with money or status or getting ahead. The main reason to help people is much deeper. The 95-year-old you will be very proud of you because you did and disappointed if you don't. And the final advice goes back to bravery. You know, go for it. Do what you think is right. You may not win. At least you tried. Old people, we almost never regret the risk we take and fail. As you've been talking about, Ed, very well. We always regret the risk we failed to take. And finally, hey, it's been my honor to talk with you. I loved our conversation. Hope people found our little talk to be practical and useful. I think everything that we've had to say today, Marshall, has been practical and useful. And you reminded me of a quote, which I will now butcher, but it was from a Stephen Covey book. And at the beginning, he had a quote, something about a man lying in his deathbed. And his one wish was, I wish I did not spend so much time at work. Yeah. Right. So it was more about uh, spending time on things that are important to you, like family and relationships and community, as well as uh, work. So, Marshall, thank you so much for joining us today. It has been a pleasure speaking with you. And we really loved everything that you had to say about the work that you're doing and bravery in the workplace. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. It's my honor. and I love what you're doing. 
And to our listeners, thank you for joining us today. And we hope you join us on our next podcast conversation as we further explore being brave at work. We also remind you to subscribe to our podcast at BeBraveAtWork.com and or download and listen to our podcast on multiple online platforms. We are everywhere. Our podcast today was sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies, whom you can reach at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at CapitRisk.com. And a reminder to check out my new book. I haven't written 47, but I have written two. And my newest one, Drive Your Career, Nine High Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Own Success, which is available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio everywhere online. Do you have something to say, yet are not saying it? Do you have something to do, yet are not doing it? Now is the time to be brave at work. Have a great week.